Amen. All right. It, I, I've been going through the book of Nehemiah, and it's really a, a touching book. It really is. It kind of takes you on a journey. That's what it's about. It's a history lesson. That's what we're going to be doing today. And today's message is taking a stand for God, standing for God. Literally, two ways to stand for God. One is one that we really should be very concerned about, and not just for us, but also for many others, is literally taking a stand for God, representing and boldly standing for Christ in a world <laughs> that literally is hung like a brush fire. It's like a forest fire out there. It's just going crazy out there. Standing for Christ in the midst of a storm. And, like these people that we're going to be talking about today, the Israelites, they, um, these Jews were, they literally stood for like six hours when they read the book, when they went into the Word, you know. And here we are, sitting down, and I had to tell them, so you're going to have to crank that AC down a little bit, you know, because it's getting kind of warm up here. They're standing for six hours going through the Word and doing worship for six, and then they're going in prayer for six. So you start doing your math, you're like, well, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time here, Jim. You know what I mean? you got like six hours. So they're doing like a little travel maybe or whatever, or they're going over to, uh, I don't know, Walmart, pick up some stuff, and they're off time, you know what I mean? But, uh, but you, they're really dedicated to the Word. Being dedicated to Christ in the midst of a crazy time out there. The book of Nehemiah, even after all the destruction that has happened, they've been taken into captivity, and then God starts working immediately. Immediately. God doesn't wait for something happens. Well, they, they were taken into captivity into Babylon. Immediately starts taking them back, putting it upon people's heart. First it started with, um, um, oh gosh, which one was the first one? Zerubbabel, okay? He shot in there and started getting things going. And then you've got, um, you've got um, Ezra, and you've got Nehemiah. So God's working on hearts of men and women. Remember Queen Esther? Esther's in there. She's popped in there right after uh, Zerubbabel, and, um, and that's commotion going on in Babylon. So God is working through the whole mist. You ever notice that in our lives? God just does it just all of a sudden, you know, it just kind of, blam, you know, it works together. No, God's sending in people immediately to start restoring things. He'll bring people into your life, maybe, bring people into others' life to help encourage. Just like a couple weeks ago when, um, when Dan was, he's in... Um, well, we're not in uh, Hebrews no more, but talking about that encouragement. Boy, isn't that a word that we can use in our lives a lot of times too? You know what I mean? It's like you can help and help and help, and you're thinking, I wish someone would come along and encourage me. Because I'm guy getting encouraged out here. You know what I mean? And this is getting crazy. You know what I mean? We need encouragement. As long as today is called today, it says to encourage each other. These disciples need an encouragement. Nehemiah needed encouragement. He's never even been in his homeland, okay? I mean, he's been taken into captivity. He's not even a priest. God will use anybody. He used these people, Zerubbabel, Esther. He used Ezra, Nehemiah, and there was many more that were in captivity. And at the same time, he changed the heart of Xerxes and Artaxerxes, okay? So he's changing 
the crazy ones. These kings, they're like, well, they're nice kings. No, they're bad kings. Remember, they're the ones that took them into captivity. So God is changing the hearts of those around in us and those around us because people are watching you and God is working in there and he's changing them. So we're just kind of put together here and it says to equip the saints and then you go out there and you spread the word and you give that love and you encourage and sometimes you do this. Because remember, Jesus had one of these babies, didn't he? Yeah, sometimes he had to use that. Especially to the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, those hypocrites. Because too many times, and I know Dan talked about this a couple weeks ago, he was talking about a big problem is wobbly brothers and sisters. They get a little wobbly in their faith. They're getting beaten up. You know, you ever watch a fight? You know, you watch a 12-rounder about that, Ninth, tenth round, you're watching like, man, these guys getting tore up. I can't imagine being a boxer, you know, but it takes conditioning. But you know what? We get beat up sometimes. And we go late, late into those rounds, and it gets tough, and we need that. Nehemiah was 700 miles from his homeland. God put it on his heart. He was a cupbearer. He's been in training for all these years. And they, um, but he was stirring up the hearts is what he was doing. Um, and what happens? Artaxerxes gives him the money. He says, you know what? I can see something's troubling you. He's going to go back into his homeland. They're going to start rebuilding. They want to rebuild the walls. The temple has been completed. Um, there's, um, there's a lot going on there, but there's one big thing. There's one big problem of the remnants that are left behind back in, um, in Jerusalem area is um, you got the people, it's kind of like a lost generation. They didn't do anything. Folks, there's a lot of folks that don't do a whole lot. And what happens is the enemy just kind of sets up, and they make sure it stays that way. They don't want to see any progress in Christ. Okay? They had problems back then with the same things that we have problems with now. You had, they were offering their children to Molech abortion. You had homosexuality at a rampant rate. Same thing. That doesn't mean that we can't love people, but at the same time, you can't waver and have it in compromise. You know the biggest problems was back then? They didn't stand for Christ the way that they should have. God talked to them. He told them, he said, listen, you need to let your land lay fallow. Every seven years. They didn't do it for 490. Divide that by seven. You get 70 years of captivity. God is faithful. But he's also faithful in the things where, like, you would really do that, God? He's faithful. But he's just. So, you have this lost generation. And, um... But Nehemiah was in training, just like it says in Hebrews 12, we're talking about, that he, we're, it produces that harvest of righteousness in those who are being trained by it. And training doesn't seem pleasant when we go through these times in our lives. It doesn't seem pleasant when you're in bondage, as he was, but God put something on his heart. He wanted him to go. He went, 
And, um, and when you go through this, this, this is, I'm going to read real quickly. Chapter one was Nehemiah's heart was changed. God talked to him. Two, they traveled. There's purpose in everything here. Three, they rebuilt the wall. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. It's amazing, isn't it? 52 days. And what in four? Here we go, big word, opposition. There's always the critics. There's always the clowns out there, aren't there? Yeah, we've talked about the clowns before. There's always, always those that are going to oppose what God's doing. And if you are God's vessel doing something, you are going to get opposition. You are going to get ridiculed. You will be thumbed down. This is stupid. See, it's these words they're saying and this and all that. But you're standing for Christ. It's as simple as that. And then what happened? Five, they helped the poor. And you know how you helped the poor? You had to get rid of some of this opposition. Because they're the ones that are keeping pushed down. Chapter six, more opposition. More. They just, these clowns just keep coming. In seven, listing of the exiles. They read all the names and all that. All, like, there was a lot, like 50, 60,000 of them. You know what I mean? Good point here. No one is left unnoticed in God's kingdom. Not one of you. If there's one thing that Satan loves to do, he likes to isolate and he likes to get you down and make you feel like you're nothing. Guess what? You are. You're his child. And God loves his children, and he's going to take care of his children. But he just wants that heart, and he'll talk and he'll guide. And then in 8, Ezra renews the covenant. And how does he do that? By reading of the word. Okay? It's amazing. I mean, this, this alone with what we're going out of, and I will be going into it here, is what we need in our lives. This is what they lost. Remember how in the book of Jeremiah, they didn't even have the word. It was destruction at the very end. Josiah, who was a good king, by the way, there was only like, like 10% good kings and 90% really cruddy ones, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you know, God's ways and our ways are two different things, you know? Me, I would say, Lord, you know... Pick this guy. You know, God has a purpose in everything. But Josiah and his father, Hilkiah, Hilkiah, found the word in the rubble, you know. It's kind of like, so they've been functioning all this time without the word. Finally, like, dust it off. I got it. Found it. It's over here. They're like, yeah. And it was like, there's, man, they're, they're, they're getting going. That's, that's how it became. And then when the destruction happened at the end of Jeremiah, Zedekiah, which is the king, he was terrible. And through the destruction, what did he do? I'm out of here. He ran for the fields, took his family and all that. They're out of there. Finally, um, what's his name? Nebuchadnezzar. Neb. He catches up with them. <clears throat> I know. I know. I'm sure God's going to like, uh, <laughs> Jim, come here. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, he said, with one B or two Bs in there, yeah. Um, so they get into the field, and he catches them. What does he do? He lines up his family. Now, this is a man who didn't follow God. He was corrupt and everything. Took his family, lined them up in front, and killed them all right in front of him. 
That's the last thing he saw. And then what did he do? He cut his eyes out. So that's the last thing you're going to remember. That is how many people live their lives. They witness this destruction of the world so much. We as Christians, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Things are happening. We can hear the explosions. We can see all the stuff and all that. But we see more of Christ versus what the world's doing. The world, like in Zedekiah, last thing he saw, and he's going to remember this, is there is no Christ. There, he didn't follow God. He didn't care about nothing. All he saw was destruction. This is what they saw then. This is what we see now. People live like this who do not live in Christ. <laughs> you know? So, and now we have chapter 9, real quickly. And on the 20, on, um, on Nehemiah 9, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. All right, that means they're getting serious. They're getting serious now. Like this, this they've seen all the miracles, all this stuff. They're like, you know what? We need to get down and we need to get dirty with God now. Let's get back in the groove here. <clears throat> Those of Israel descent had separated themselves from all the foreigners. They stood in their places and they confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. So what they did was they separated. It says in the Bible, come out from amongst them and be separate. You know? It's kind of like your wife telling you, you need to quit hanging around these guys. Okay? You got to stop this because this is not going good. All right? This is, you're not going to get anywhere. We need to step back. Back then they had too many gods. That's what they're talking about, these foreigners. We're all foreigners in our own way, but you got to have a common ground here. You got to have a common God. And that's what they had to do. We compromise. We have countries that compromise because of their God. We have one Lord, we have one salvation. We have the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And that's the Lord through Jesus Christ, one head and the Holy Spirit. So, <clears throat> they. They did. They separated themselves. They started getting serious about this. And they, in three, they stood where they were and they read from the book of law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. Now, you do the simple math here, folks. That's six hours. Six times four is 24, okay? And they spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord, their God. So for at least half the day, they stood, and they were reading the word. They were in sackcloth. They're getting serious about there, and they're in confession, which is talking to God, going in prayer. Their prayer closet was right there, or whatever they did. I don't know if they broke off into groups, or if they had, like, you know, whatever, but they were in confession. And they did worship, too kind of like what we're doing here we're going to work nothing's changed right here did some worship and you're doing the confession you're doing the talking to god right now 
And that's what they did back then. He sent them back in to build that temple back up and the walls. Get those walls for protection. As you go into the word, those walls are built up for protection in your heart. God helps us. This isn't about a building project. This is about a heart project. He wants us to, you know, be, be very careful in what we do. And so in four, I'm not going to go through this list, <clears throat> standing on the stairs were the Levites, which were the priests. And, um, and they said, stand up and praise the Lord your God who is from everlasting to everlasting. If we've got a God that can throw those stars up in the sky, and if we've got a God that can hoist that moon up there every night, and it flips around, and then it goes underneath, and then it comes back up at the same time tonight, and it keeps going around. If we have a God that can do that, we surely have a God that can take care of our stuff, can't we? And how easy we can get buried into the stuff. It's amazing, isn't it? It really is. And I put myself front and center. We get lost in the mix. I'll get lost in the mix sometimes. Like, hang on, God. You know, yesterday the Lord had um, quite a moment with me. And because uh, I, um, many times God will use in the small ways, you know. I mean, it doesn't have to be these big monster projects and all that, but God will work in small ways, you know. And sometimes I'm like, gosh, God, he took me back in. This is my first week of retirement, you know what I mean. So I, um, <clears throat> but when I went into where I was working, God started opening those doors, and you know I'm sitting there praying in my cubicle at work, you know, work over for the government, you know, and I'm like, you know, and 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 so, yeah, it's great. I'm like, well, there you go, and the job went well. I was probably the dumbest one in there. I had all these younger college age kids that could speak four languages and all that and uh, and everything, and I'm thinking, man, I'm here, you know, and uh, the only way I got in there was because I'm a vet. You know, and then yesterday I'm out there this week. I've been helping my son out build a fireplace. <clears throat> One of the guys that works for my son two years ago, I was at the gospel rescue mission and uh, he was in there and he came down for an altar call. And and then here I go back out help my son. And there he is working for my son now. And then him and I were working all alone yesterday. And we're sitting there talking, you know, and then, so in a rate wild how God, remember, everlasting to everlasting. God's got this all figured out. You know, he's going to send you on a journey, just like he did with Nehemiah, 700 miles. Took him like two, three months to get there and gave him what he needed to get there, protection, and he had a plan set for him. And when he set foot over there, it was, he was off and running. That's good leadership. Nehemiah has always been considered an awesome leader. Ezra was the priest. But God's going to use whoever. It doesn't make any difference. And he's going to change the hearts of the big boys too. So don't feel for a second, <clears throat> excuse me, remember all the names that were listed, one at a time, tribe by tribe. And they all went back into where they had been vacated from. But he listed every single one of us. 
is listed right there in the book of life right there. He knows. He knows your heart. He knows the struggles you're going through, just like in the disciples. God is right there the whole time. You know, these men had so many questions. God bless you. And, and yet, we can grow in the midst of these storms, in these droughts, in the heat. We can relate to that, can't we? You know? Yeah. I mean, where else in this country in October, you're like, you know, I, I really wish it wouldn't be like 100 no more, you know? Everybody else is experiencing beautiful foliage, you know, and everything, and, <clears throat> and we're still baking, you know? And, uh, yeah. But, and I want to close it with this. It says, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. And six, you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and there are. And all the starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, and the sea and all that is in them, you give life to everything. And the multitudes of heaven worship you. <clears throat> and I'm going to go down a little bit. And it says, you have kept your promise because you are righteous at the very end of eight. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You know, you ever, you ever, you ever have that moment? You're like, Lord, are you talking to me here? You, you're trying to tell me something here. This is what he does all the time. That's what God's in. He's in the business of talking to us, his children. He does. He does that to me, you know, and he, and he does it to us in different ways. You know, I, I, I think it's so beautiful that God will do that, and we have that reaction like, is, is, is this something I should be picking up on here? You know, you can walk away from something, you're like, that was really wild. I didn't come up with that, but God does. Even if it's a quick little door opening and closing like that, you're like, wow, that was refreshing. It's like God walking by you and just you can feel his presence going by, you know, like with Moses, you know, when he was on the mountain, you know, just a little bit. And that's what God does in our lives. It doesn't have to be the big, huge things. Man, it's that small stuff. It's those beautiful moments that God can spend time with us and talk to us and encourage us. And remember, you're not alone. Because as he's doing something in your life, he's doing things in other lives to come along and scatters it up. You know, he, he, God's a beautiful way of, he takes that food and spreads it all over the plate, man. It's a full plate, you know. You and I do it, pff, a little drop. And God's word is explosive. <clears throat> it's like an atomic bomb. When they fuse this stuff down, that uranium, it's the size of a dime. It just takes a little bit of God's word to really come alive in our lives. And folks, remember something. God is really not too concerned about your comfort zone. Okay? And we have all kind of figured that one out. But what he is most concerned about, this is why he made time, is that more and more of it will come to him. And desire him. That's what he wants. So if you're thinking, why am I going through this? Nehemiah. He's like, these people are crazy. He had purpose. 
And he knew that God was going to affect the masses. And when the masses, when you push in, that water's going out in the opposition, it's going to go out. Now, it's probably going to come back, but you know what? It's okay. You let God really get in there and have an effect. You just be that messenger or, you know, whoever you are. God knows he made you. He gave you all your gifts. He put you together. And, and with a man like Nehemiah, what a builder. What a leader. What a listener he was. What a journey he went on. God's done that in our lives. He's rebuilt the heart. He's put up these walls. And he's protected us. So that we can stand for God in a wild and crazy time. Okay, amen? Right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. It is explosive. It's what we all need. We need more of you and less of us. <laughs> and, and I say that because it's so true. Um, but God, but you're, you're, you're all worthy and you're so loving. And you know what we need. And, um, and, I, and I thank you for that, Father. Bless our lives. Guide us by the Holy Spirit. You did that with the Israelites. You gave them a pillar of cloud during the day, and you gave them a pillar at night of fire. It's the Holy Spirit for the guidance. We have the same thing. You're guiding us along in our lives. So we could follow you and love you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.